finally made it out of chapter number two, hallelujah. But we're going to be connected to chapter number two. Amen? Nobody said amen, so I guess they're not happy about that. <laughs> amen? Uh, chapter number three, verse one. If, see that connects us to chapter number two. So what are you talking about? He goes back down through everything we're talking, and he talks about verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, from the rudiments of the world. Why? So living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all the parish with the using, after the doctrines, commandments, or commandments and doctrines of men, which things have an indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting the body, not in any honor satisfying the flesh. If, verse 1, ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of earth, of the earth. For if you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, when Christ, who is what? Our life, Our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things say the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which sometimes ye also walk, or in which ye also walk sometime when ye what? Lived in them. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so good. I ask you to bless today's service in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a problem when I read. I like reading two lines at one time. One eye catches one line, one eye catches the other, and so I I, I struggle with that. Amen. But uh, I'd like to just go through some things today with you. He said, if, that's a, a question whether you really in or not. Are you saved or not? You understand? Because you, you hath he what? Ephesians 2.1. Quicken means you made alive. You hath he quickened. He made you alive who were dead, past tense. So if you're a child of God, you were dead, now you're what? Alive. Spiritually, you've been raised from the dead. You're resurrected. Now, if you're a child of God, according to Romans chapter 6, we're to walk how? In the newness of life. What's new about you? There ought to be new things in our life. There ought to be some kind of evidence of God coming in our life, fruit that appears that something has happened, that now we're a child of the king, and therefore supernatural things ought to start happening in our life. Amen. I'm not talking about magic show. I'm talking about there ought to be some changes. People ought to see that there's somebody that moved inside you and has changed you. There ought to be something that's affected your attitude, and your attitude affects your actions. Right? And listen, I can't tell what's happening on the inside of you by looking at the outside of you. And there's a bunch of people out there in the world that want to tell me something happened on the inside and I never see it on the outside. There's people that tell me they're happy and you never see a smile on their face. And, and just because somebody smiles doesn't mean they're happy. It's maybe because they heard something funny and they laughed at it. Right? But I tell you, if a person's truly happy, sooner or later it's going to reveal on their face right. what they are, what they're experiencing. And if a child of God's truly saved, sooner or later there's going to be some kind of evidence that's going to break out on the outside saying somebody moved in on the inside. 
And I'm telling you, if somebody moved in on the inside, it's going to provoke some action on the outside. And God's going to say, here's a broom. Begin to start cleaning your life up. It'll change your words. Yeah. People's Listen, the Holy Ghost is, as soon as I got saved, said, you don't talk like that anymore. Get rid of them cuss words. Pretty simple, wasn't it? Quit talking dirty. Quit telling filthy jokes. Quit listening to that stuff. Turn those channels. Amen. All of a sudden, I used to use God's word name in vain and cussed him left and right. I got saved. I couldn't stand to hear somebody say that. It bothered me so bad to hear somebody cussing God and using God's name as a cuss word. It would get all over me, and it bothered me. I hear it, and then all of a sudden, the devil wanted to magnify that thing. The thing wanted to go over and over and over and over in my ears. And I say, God, oh, Lord, remove that thought. I don't even want to think. I don't want, I'm sorry I even heard that word. I'm sorry I was even in distance of hearing that word. Something happened on the inside to get me to hate God's name being used as corruption. Amen. Listen, those things ought to have, something ought to be happening on the inside. I mean, if somebody comes to Jesus Christ, there ought to be something. How can these people say they're saved? And I scratch my head and say, they didn't get what I got. I'm not talking about smoking a cigarette. You understand? I'm talking about change their words, change their actions, change the way they think, change what they see. There ought to be a desire to read God's book. There ought to be a desire to attend God's house. There ought to be a desire to want to talk to Him. People don't want to attend His house, don't want to read His book, don't want to be around His people, don't want to hear His songs. It makes me wonder whose side they're on. Amen. If ye then be risen with Christ... What's the next word? Seek. Seek those things that are what? Above. What did he say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what? There's not a lot of people seeking God's righteousness. Saved and lost. There's not a lot of professing Christians that are seeking the righteousness of God. Now, that's what the book of Romans is written all about. The book of Romans is written about God's righteousness versus man's righteousness and how man's righteousness is no good and they need God's righteousness. That's what Romans 10 deals with. Trading your righteousness for God's righteousness. Amen. Right? Ain't that what he says? With a heart man believeth unto righteousness. With a mouth confession made on salvation. Listen, God deals with righteousness. we got to show somebody that they're unrighteous and their righteousness cannot save them. Cannot. People think because they're born in a preacher's house there's something special. I don't mean that. You just, you're going to be protected from a lot more junk. Amen. My kids need saved. They don't get to go to heaven because I'm a Baptist preacher. They need saved. They need washed in the blood. They need to be have their name written. They have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They can't ride on my coattails in. Amen. Amen. They got to meet God. Listen, uh, Leah Sandlin. I, I want to find this tape. It's got Leah Sandlin singing a song on there about the same grace it took to save the vilest of men was the same grace it took to save her. She needed God's amazing grace. Raised in a preacher's home, a Christian home. Amen. She was still a wretched, lost sinner, self-righteous that needed to be born again. And the same thing that will save a murderer and a drunkard and a liar and a thief was the same grace to save a good little girl in a home. Yeah. She needed the same amazing grace. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of a decision you made to follow Christ. I made a willful decision as I was introduced to the gospel 
Amen. And introduced to myself what I really was. I had to make a decision. Will I choose to stay where I'm at and choose to keep going where I'm heading? Or would I make a willful choice and a decision to come to Christ to be delivered from all that junk? I had an opportunity to say displayed before me and I had the choice will you come son and take him and they sung just as I am and I came just as I was amen and he changed me right speaks of a decision next if you be risen with Christ if you're truly born again if you're truly saved seek those things which what are above Steve Covey's got a book called uh Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But then he wrote an equal sequel to that, Putting First Things First. And that's, he's a successful business teacher. He's dead now. But he's teaching businesses how to run businesses and help people get their lives in order and things. And one of his first habits was putting first things first. You know what that speaks of? Priorities. He said, you know, what, you know what he dealt with? He dealt with the first book on time management and managing your life and going from a daily planner versus you planning your life. A daily planner, a lot of people put all what's in order, what's on hot, what's, what's important today, and, they, and that, that list just keeps getting updated and updated, and they keep like a, a hamster on a treadmill. They just keep running on this treadmill trying to keep all these priorities and all these hot items in line. And he said, a daily planner really doesn't teach you how to plan. It just teaches you how to keep things of importance up at the top of the list all the time. And basically, you're, that list is running you versus you running it. And it teaches you how to plan your week and your month to where you can set time aside to do what you want to do without things running you. You understand what I'm saying? But later on in his teachings, he, put a, he got that book come out uh, living a principle-centered life, and then putting first things first. And he says, we need to go from a calendar to a compass. You know, you know what that compass tells you? You need to learn to have direction in your life. You know, you know what we're doing here preaching? We're preaching, and this verse is dealing with direction. Amen? You know which way you usually go? The way you're pointed. You know he's pointing you... In the direction you're going, doesn't it? You don't do very good like this, do you? Huh? Right? God's got your head on a swivel, but you're supposed to, your nose is your nose is pointed in the right direction. You understand? These signs on the highway are giving you direction. This is a this is a verse of scripture in here giving you direction, Christian. Christian, what's direction you're supposed to go? You're supposed to elevate your eyes, point them at due north, the throne of God, and seek those things that are. You know what God wants you to do? God wants to change the elevation of your eyes. What's Psalm 1 1 say? Not 1 1, or I'm sorry, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. You know what God wants to do? He wants us to elevate our eyes above our problems, above our circumstances. Amen. Above the things that's going on in our life. And seek those things that are above. 
You know what man's trying to do? They're trying to seek 401ks and, and they're trying to seek heaven on earth and they're worried about everything else that's happened down here. God's telling a Christian right here, hey bud, get your eyes off the things of the earth. Get your eyes off of people. Get eyes off everything else and seek those things that are above. Your pursuits in life need to be for the things that are above. Amen. Amen. You want to live a successful Christian life? It's the direction you're looking. It's, it'll point into the direction you're eventually going. Amen. You know where the stock market's fixing to go? You know, you know what direction the church is fixing to go? Up. Up. <laughs> you know what direction God wants my attitude and my heart every day of the week? Set my... What, what's it say right there? Seek those things that are above. What's above? Heaven. What's in heaven? God's sitting right here. Look at what it says. Seek those things, amen, which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. What's Christ doing for you right now? He's making intercession for you. He is pleading his case, not your case. Your case, you deserve to burn hell, right? He's sitting right up there with nail prints in his hands. And he said, Father, I did this for her. She trusted me. And now, this is pleading for her. And he said, Father, would you look at what they did right there? See that right there? That's, I did that for her. And she trusted me, and I gave her my righteousness. So, you know what he's, she, he's constantly doing? He's interceding for us. And, and because we're his child, God's mercies and grace can be extended to us for Christ. You know what we need? We need that advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, constantly up there pleading for us. Amen? But our affection and our, our attention goes up there. Seek those things. That, that deals with our attention. Turn to Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34. I want to call your attention to something. You know, when, when you read in the Bible, we can quote verses all the time. We can say things all the time by the Word of God. And a lot of preachers will do that. But they miss some things when they don't show you everything that's in its surrounding neighborhoods and areas. Isaiah 34, 16. So many preachers quote, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and what? Read. You need to read the book. You need to read the book. You need to read the book. You need to seek God's book. Get in God's book. Read God's book. That's a great admonition. Paul said, give attendance to reading. It's very important that we attend and read God's book. It's more important than any other book on the face of the earth. It's more important than the daily newspaper. It's more important than the drudge reports. more important than, amen, than all these other things that are out there. It's his book. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord. Right? So we need to have a habitual pattern in our life where we read this book. But did you notice what's Verses 1 through 15. Seek you out of the book of the Lord. Look at what God's trying to tell you. Something. Verse 1. Come near ye who? Nations. nations. You part of a nation? Yep. And we're part of an ungodly nation. <laughs> Amen. It's United States of America. Divided States of America, I should say. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein. The world and all that come forth of it. Not only earth, 
but the world, the environments. You ever hear sports world, political world, huh? scientific world? All the little worlds that's associated on this earth, he wants them included. Not just the inhabitants on the earth, but every little political, sports, physics, I mean, you name the world, he wants it all to come in and gather in. For the indignation of the Lord is upon who? This is the tribulation period. This is the end of the tribulation. If the rapture took place tonight, we're talking within seven years this thing happening. We're within minimum seven years of this transpiring. And his fury upon all there was. He's going to hit the best. He's going to hit these valiant, strongest that they got to deliver. They're going to come forth. They're going to meet out in a valley called Megiddo, and he is going to squish them like grapes. Their blood is literally going to splash all over him, Isaiah 63, and their horse's blood is going to splash on him, and their blood is going to run up to the horse's bridle, four to five foot deep. I'm telling you, they're fixing to have a head-on collision with the line of the tribe of Judah. And he's saying, hey, earth, can I have your attention, please? You're on a collision course with the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he is fixing to let the best you have have it. Seek you out of the book of the Lord and read. <laughs> we do well to begin to read even the chapter that he's commanding us to read out of. This is timely scripture for today. You know how many people sit back and go, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, you better learn from the Old Testament. Yeah. This is going to be headline news in the future. You think the world cares today? Pass me another joint. <laughs> uh, put 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 fifty bucks down on sevens come eleven. Right, they're down there gambling. You think they care about what's fixing to happen right here? No, they're out there fishing today. You think they care about what's going to happen here? There's doctors and nurses in the hospital today dealing with somebody dying of cancer. You think they're even paying attention to what's going on right here? There's police officers sitting in their cars chewing on their little Krispy Kremes and their little Dunkin' Donuts slobbered down there Java this morning waiting for some speeder to come by. You think he cares about this right now? Bunch of firemen right now sitting over there in the fire station ready to cook their chicken, marinate it, getting the grill fired up. You think they're worried about Isaiah 34? Bunch of presidential candidates partying and carrying on, getting ready to get out there and lie to the public. They're rehearsing their lies. Bunch of News Corps media people all dressed up and all painted up, got their microphones, testing, testing, waiting to put their microphone in the face of some political candidate. You think they're paying attention to this po politics? They ain't paying attention. The world ain't paying attention. They're fixing to get blindsided. The average preacher today is getting up. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That if you would read Isaiah 34, if you don't trust him, he's going to squish you. You know how many preachers want, won't preach a judgment of God? They, they, they're political. They want to preach all the good. They don't want to preach the seeds in the fruit. Oh, <laughs> they want it all peeled. Amen. And they don't want the seeds in the core and the apple. They want the applesauce. Amen. Listen, there's bad things in life. Amen. We're too used to boneless chicken breast. Amen. Listen, we're too used to having it the way we want it. Go to the supermarket, get that boneless chicken breast. What about all them feathers been plucked out and having to go out there and wring its head and chop it all up to pieces? Yeah. Listen, we're missing the good things of life. Amen. Because somebody's making our life a little bit better. We've begun to tend to forget.
with all the world. This new world order they're trying to produce is fixing to have a head-on collision with Almighty God. The United Nations was formed, amen, to end all wars, amen, and there's more wars been fought through the United Nations, amen, than before it was ever conceived. They're fixing to have a head-on collision with God out in the Valley of Megiddo. The Valley of Hinnom. Oh, my soul. Verse 2, for the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. His fury is upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to who? The slaughter. Please don't preach on slaughterhouse Christianity. He is fixing to slaughter them. You ever been to a slaughterhouse? You ever, you ever seen something get slaughtered? Well, you want an education, you ought to go. Watch that blood. Huh? Watch them bashing things in the head, cut their head off, blood just leak out everywhere. Open them up, guts fall out everywhere. We're talking bloods and guts, man. Yeah. Hello. Right? You fillet fish, there's fish I used to catch offshore. I used to catch them amberjack, cut the tail off, let them hang and bleed. Blood just go everywhere. Blood. We're talking the slaughter. They're fixing to get slaughtered. White. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their what? Stink. You ever been by a, a roadkill? Huh? Watch, watch a little raccoon get hit out here. And come by there tomorrow afternoon, about 90 degrees outside, and you will, you will all of a sudden notice there's a stench, there's an odor. Amen? You know what he said? There's stink. When he gets done with these folks, man, they're fixing to lay on the earth and stink. You know what he's doing in Revelation 19? He's calling all the eagles and birds of prey to come over there and eat the carcasses of these bodies because there are going to be so many dead bodies piled up, stacked up. The stench and the stink's going to be so bad. You know how God's going to get rid of it? Call the birds in to eat it. It's going to take a while for that stench to leave the land. Their stink shall come out of their carcasses and the mount shall be melted with their blood. Isn't that something? Mm -mm -mm. And all the hosts of heaven shall be what? Dissolved. Dissolved. And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll and all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falls from the vine as a fig leaf from the fig tree. And for my sword shall be what? Bathed, Bathed in heaven. Bathe. You ever bathe anything? You ever bathe a baby? What do you do? You put them in water. You dip them in. You get them soaking wet. You know what? His sword is going to be soaking wet with the blood of the enemies. It's going to be dripping with blood. He's going to be flinging blood everywhere. Amen. We're watching crime scenes and some guy taking a knife and stabbing somebody. And as they do that, blood's on the wall, blood's all over the ceiling, blood's all over the floor. Blood, 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 blood. They said this had to be a massacre. That's fixing to be a massacre. You know who's behind that? The God of love. The God of peace. The God of grace. The God of holiness is going to stand up and say, it's time for my justice. And I'm heading to the slaughter and I'm going to bathe my soul. It's going to be drenched in blood. It's going to be bathed. For my sore shall be bathed in blood. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea 
and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood and is made fat with the fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats and with the fat of kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath made a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Edomia. And the unicorn shall come down with them and the bullocks and the bulls and their land shall be soaked with blood and their dust shall be made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion and the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch and the dust thereof into brimstone and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. You know where Edomia is at? Edomia is south of Jerusalem. This is where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. This is where the Dead Sea is. That the Dead Sea is now sinking. And it's dried up. And it's full of sulfur and brimstone. And he's going to set it on fire in south of Jerusalem. And it's going to be burning. And the land's going to be burning. And the mouth of the lake of fire will be literally here. On earth. And it'll be there the whole time he rules from Jerusalem. And at the end of the book of Isaiah, they go by for five weeks and look upon the carcasses that are burning in there. And God's saying, seek ye out of the book of the Lord. He said, listen, the lake of fire is coming to earth and people will be cast in it. And I'm going to set it on fire. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Verse 10, it shall not be quenched. Night nor day. And the smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation, and it shall lie waste, and none shall pass through it forever and ever. And the cormant, cormant, and the bittern shall possess it, and the owl also, and the raven shall dwell in it, and shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and stones of emptiness. And they shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there. And all her princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in her palaces, and nettles and brambles in the fortresses thereof. And it shall be an habitation of dragons, and a court of owls, and wild beasts of the desert shall meet also, also meet with the wild beasts of the islands. Amen. The satyr. You know what a satyr is? What's a satyr? Half man, half goat. Got the goat's legs from here on up where the neck of the goat is. You got a man? You ever seen him? They got some car commercials like that. They got this guy standing there. He's got the body of a horse and he's patting the horse. These guys are standing there from here up. It's a man. With a, well, sometimes they have animal head where, or a man's got horns like the goat of Mendes. A body of a man with a goat's head. This, this, is, this is half man, half beast. Yeah, they got a bunch of that stuff in that, that video. And you know what? What you have? You have mutated things. These are creatures. Probably demoniac creatures. You look at uh, uh, Star Wars and all those kind of sci-fi movies and stuff. You know what they got? They got man mixed with creatures. You know what that is? It's from crossbreeding, bestiality, and all that kind of junk. Right now in laboratories around the world, they're practicing bestiality, trying to disprove creation, trying to prove that somehow, some way, that there's still evolution in the process. Well, there's real demoniac beings that are going to come forth and dwell here on the face of the earth. Listen to me. Can I tell you something? Bible-believing Christians don't believe what they're reading right here, so they change these words in the Bible. They don't believe in unicorns. They don't believe in dragons. They don't believe in satyrs. And they try to remove all this junk out. These conservatives, these infidels, are poisoning Christians, taking away the truth out of the Word of God. Because all they want is positive Christianity. Because they... 
they're trying to sell Jesus because they make a living off of suckers. Can I say something politely and kindly? The whole world loves suckers. P.T. Barnum said a sucker's born every minute. Greg Eastip changed that to every second. <laughs> he said that. He said, P.T. Barnum said a sucker born every minute. No, a sucker's born every second. Amen. You know what they're doing? They're praying off of you. They want your money. Everybody's fighting for your money. He said, I don't believe it. How do you like your steak? Huh? Well, there are people out there today trying to get your money. They're willing to sizzle a steak the way you want it. And then somebody like Roos Crisp, you know, when they put their your steak on a plate, they want it sizzling when it hits the plate, and then charge you 50 bucks to have a sizzling steak when it hits when it hits your table. People are always doing all kinds of things, the fancy things up. You know what? It's still a piece of meat, and you still baptize me in one sauce, amen. <laughs> right? None of, them, none of them restaurants want you to cook a steak at home. But then Lowe's, they'll say, we'll sell you a grill. Sears says, we'll sell you a grill. Walmart says, we'll sell you a grill. And we'll sell you meat and you go home and sizzle yourself. But there's people trying to get your money one way or the other. And they create all kinds of crazy things. And I walk through stores and I look and say, who purchases this stinking junk? <laughs> and then I ride up and down the neighborhoods and I see all these garage sale signs. And you look up and down the driveways and you go, I see you bought all that junk. Now they're trying to resell it because they realize they're suckers and bought junk. And I walk up in the garage sales and I'm looking through this stuff with my wife and I go, who buys this junk? Next thing you know, you see these people walking away with armloads of it. I go, you got to be kidding me. You know what? They're, they're buying junk. Listen, they know how to, people got money in their pocket. My dad said, boy, is it burning a hole in your pocket? I said, what do you mean? He says, because you ain't holding on to it and you think you got to get rid of it. You got a dollar, you got to spend it. And the world's just saying, come here, son. <laughs> Hello? I can't believe it. I'll, I'll tell off on Dax. We went up Steak and Shake up here. Oh boy. We go up Steak and Shake up here. Here's this machine. Got all these stuffed animals in it. Uh -oh. And I tell my kids, I said, don't waste your money. You'll never win. You'll never get nothing. They just want your money. Dax goes over. Isaac wants something. Dax goes, toon, 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 drops three or four bucks in there. And out comes this little alligator. I said, he's the first one i ever seen winning. They got three bucks from Dax, but he won. Got something. <laughs> you understand? I'm telling my kids don't do it. You can't ever win. Dax goes, oh, yeah, you can't win. Watch it. He does it. He just paid three bucks for a stuffed animal Isaac didn't need. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But they got all that stuff there, what, to get your money. You stand in a checkout line, man. What's all that stuff doing right around there? Hey, man, get you to buy something that you didn't buy before you got up to the cash register. Entice you. Then they got that stuff. You know why they got that stuff there? Amen. The supermarkets are really smart. You know why they're doing all that? That is proof enough that if your kid did not behave and disbehave bad enough in the store, that stuff's guaranteed to give him a licking when he gets home. Because he will throw a tantrum right there because he ain't going to get what he wants and to keep mama shut, he's going to stomp his feet and then people know that. And so mama grabs stuff to shut the kid off and starts throwing extra stuff in the cart until the kid quits whining. And then the kids promise to get a licking when he gets home, and then he never gets a licking. He eats all that candy, gets all that junk, then becomes a little demonic terror running through the house, and he still don't get a licking. He gets time out. Hello? You know what that kid is that's throwing his little tantrum and not getting his way? You know what he is? He's a protester. Huh? He is. Amen. When he grows up, he gets out there with a picket sign, and he starts throwing tantrums. He's not getting his way. And then the government cuts him a check. So here you go. Amen. So when you see a little kid throwing a tantrum tantrum, you know what he is. He's a future protester. <laughs> the future Democrat. 
Yeah, future Democrat. Amen. Republicans are giving it away too. Amen. Uh, verse 11. Verse uh, 14. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island and the satyr and shall cry to his fellow and the screech owl also the rest there and shall find her place of, uh, for find for herself a place of rest. And there shall the great owl make her nest and lay and hatch and gather under her shadow and there shall the vultures also be gathered and everyone with her mate. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. <laughs> no one of these shall fail. Wow. None shall want her mate for my mouth hath or it has commanded and his spirit hath gathered them. Well, I tell you what, God has made you a promise and he's saying, I'm telling you, this stuff's going to come to pass and you better seek you out of my book because it's going to come to pass just like I said it's going to come to pass and you need to learn to put your trust in the fear of the Lord. This is not science fiction. This is not Dr. Seuss. This is not Disney World. This is reality. And preachers refuse to preach this stuff because it's negative, negative, negative. And the life is filled with negative. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and what? Read Isaiah 55. Well, I tell you what. God has commanded us to seek. Amen. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Right? Ask and you shall receive. Amen. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he what? May be found. Call upon him while he is near. Boy, what a verse. You know what that's telling me? It's telling me God can't always be found. It's telling me God's not always there. It's telling me if he's a knocking, you better come a running. God's telling me that he's got a timeline dealing with individuals. And God just doesn't always stand at a door and knock. Listen, I had a guy I worked with. I said, how long do you think Jesus will knock on your door? How long do you expect him to stand on your front step and knock on your front door? You expect him to wait with bated breath? Oh, I'm just waiting for you, Bob. Come on, Bob. Call on me, Bob. I'm standing here night and day, year after year, Bob. You're just serving booze and liquor and dope and, and iniquity, and I'm just still here just waiting for you. Waiting for you, Bob, to cry out and just let me save you. Please, Bob. Please, Bob, just let me save you, Bob. No, we don't do that. Praise God. I don't know what just happened there. If something happened. Stinking electronics. But you know what? God, God is not standing there with bated breath, wringing his hands, just waiting for a sinner to come to him. Hello? He knocks. He calls. You don't respond. He goes on. Something's happening. I don't know what happened here. Something happened, son. You understand? God's waiting for people to come to him, but he don't always stand there. Seek the Lord where he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Listen, people think that they can get saved any day they want to get saved and come to Him anytime they want to and they wait for a deathbed profession. And like that old preacher said one time, he said, 
very seldom is dead Beth repentance true. If a man, listen, a man can get saved on his deathbed, but seldom is it ever true. You know, you know, you want to know what dead bed repentance is? Usually, it's worldly repentance. I've lived a sorry life and I've messed up, and I'm sorry that my life is ending and dying, and I wasted it without God. Usually it's worldly sorrow. Very seldom is it godly sorrow that I've sinned against a just and holy God and I'm fixing to face the flames of hell and I'm sorry that I'm sorry. Very seldom is it ever true. Old time repentance. Seek the Lord when you be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. You ever see anybody do that old kind of repentance? Do you ever hear the gospel anymore in such a way where a man knows he's so filthy, he's so vile, that he stinks so bad in the nostrils of God, and the way he thinks and what he thinks is corruption, pollution, and sin, and God's sick of the way man thinks, God's sick of what a man looks at, God's sick of what a man is, and that wicked man's heard it so thoroughly and so convinced that he, God's got his pedigree laid out and he shows how vile and wretched and putrefying he is that he abhors himself. You know what God does at the end of the book of Job? Job 42. Job repents as I know thou can do everything. I abhor myself. And repent sackcloth and ashes. Listen today, we're not selling sales pitches for sinners and wicked people to come forward and get saved. We're selling sales pitches for good people to run down and sign up and join our club and put their money in our bank account. They don't want good people to leave feeling dirty and filthy and vile and wretched. You're wretched. What's Psalm 73 verse 12 say? These be the ungodly. They who prosper in the world and increase in riches. Amen. We think the ungodly is running around in their leotards and their Victoria's Secrets down on a street corner. God said these be the ungodly. They who prosper in the world and increase in riches. It's the wealthy crowd, the money-making crowd, the think they've got it all, the senators, the politicians, the congressmen. Amen. They think they got it made and they're rich and they're milking the people by stealing their tax money. They're corrupt. They're vile. Amen. And they're going to burn. And these people cater to that crowd. Come into our crowd. Come into our church. Build us a steeple to the sky. They don't want these dope heads, these drunks, these people struggling. They want to give them welfare checks and keep them handicapped and, and pinned down on the government. Corrupt politicians. Let the wicked forsake his way. Listen, God wants our ways changed. He wants us to quit seeking our ways and seek his ways. And when a person gets saved, there ought to be some changes that affects their attitudes, which affects their actions. Old-time repentance will change somebody's actions because they'll finally have God's mind about themselves and the way they're living, and they will not be comfortable in their sin. They won't enjoy the places they used to frequent. They'll no longer have pleasure in unrighteousness, and the Holy Ghost of God will convict them and say, This is not your home, boy. Get out of this field. 
And a girl's shacking up with a bum, and she gets saved, comes home. She may sleep with him a time or two, but the Holy Ghost is going to say, Hey, girl, you don't belong in this bed. Right. Go get you another bed. Go get out of here. Or this bum marry you, and him get saved. Yeah. Amen. They won't have peace. They won't have joy. They can't just lay around in filth and sin and have the peace of God in their life. God will change their ways. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man is what? Thoughts. We're living in a free-thinking society that everybody's got their own opinions and their own thoughts and it's my way. It's the way I think and I'm going to conform God to me. And we're creating a God that we think He ought to be instead of us conforming our thoughts to be what He is. Right. I'm a Bible believer magnifying what He is and I'm hating because I magnify how great God is and I show how vile man is. I'm not taking man's side. I'm not taking my side. I'm taking His side. Amen. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return on the Lord. He'll have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will what? Abundantly pardon. God's got an abundant pardon. I don't care what you've committed. I don't care what you're living in. You realize you're in a hog pen and you're in stink and tired of stinking and tired of uh, living off the filth and the scum of this world and you want a new life and a clean life and you come to God, he'll abundantly pardon. And he'll forgive you for what you've done, where you've laid, what you've said. Amen. He'll put your feet under his table. <laughs> he'll take you. Even though nobody else will take you, he'll take you. Right? And he won't bring up what you used to do to your face. Now the brethren will. They like holding your, your sins in front of you. Yeah. They like holding it over you. Mm -hmm. But God forgets it. Amen. God's gracious. Yeah. And when you come to God and want to bring it back up, you say, what are you talking about? You say, well, don't you remember what I've done? Yeah, I plainly remember forgetting that. Yeah. <laughs> I finally remember just washing you through live all that stuff and told you now you're my child now go on and don't live like the devil's child live like my son Amen. you taking my name you following me then frequent my house not the dens of iniquity yeah. and come you put your feet under my table then you ought to look like one of my children if you're part of royalty then you ought to dress like you're part of royalty Amen. verse 8 for my thoughts are not what your thoughts, neither my ways, your ways. Why do we got churches want to cater to that? Right. Anything goes, Christianity. We got men that are training now in Bible colleges to become executives. They're not men of God preaching this book. That's all right. I'm not an executive. I'm the farthest thing from an executive and an administrator. Amen. I'm a preacher. And that's what I do is preach. Yeah. Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. You know what people are doing? You know what preachers are doing today? They're telling people you can live where you want to live and do what you want to do and go where you want to go and that God must bow to you and submit to your ways. God don't submit to my ways. God tells me to change my ways or He's going to thump me. Amen. God is not my little bell hop. Amen. Just waiting on my little beckoning call to ring my little bell and say, Come, God. Come give me what I want, God. Come on, dance, God. Jump through these hoops, God. God don't work like that. Right. 
and so Highway Baptist Church still goes on with nobody. <laughs> Preacher, ain't you figured out how to get people in your church? You got to quit barking like that. Hey, man, well, I, I don't need that kind of stuff. I need people that love God and love his book. Amen. Verse 10, for as the rain cometh down and snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but it bringeth forth and bud, then it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goeth out of my mouth, or so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Well, I tell you what, I believe God's book. Amen. And I believe God's book will work. And I believe if his seed gets inside somebody, it'll germinate and it'll grow and it'll do something. I believe his book will stick in somebody's conscience. Amen. And that thing's stuck up there and they can't pull. You ever get a little thorn in your finger and you can't find that thing? And it pricks and every time it moves and something touches it, it sticks in pain, 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 pain. Listen, the word of God will stick you. It'll stick your conscience. And somebody can leave here and go down here to these nightclubs and party all night long. But I'm telling you, they're miserable. The Word of God is pricking their conscience, pricking their heart. They cannot get by. They'll have no pleasure in unrighteousness. That's why they don't want to hear the name of Jesus because Jesus reigns on all their parades. You show me anybody that's a politician and social that loves Jesus, wants to brag on Jesus, I'll show you somebody, amen, that's watered down the gospel because they're not preaching to sinners. They're appealing to people's lust of their flesh and they've watered down Jesus Christ. God demands repentance. God demands holiness. But He is gracious. He is kind. And He'll have mercy and give somebody an opportunity to forsake sin and leave sin. But God will not leave His children in the hog pit. Psalm 37. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the Lord where I may be found. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Abraham and them were seeking a city whose builder and maker is God, seeking a country. Psalm 37, verse 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they are soon to be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do what? good. You know what the sad part about it is? If you've watched today's political rap crowd and you watch today's television and you listen to Christianity today, you won't know what good is because ups, down and downs, up and ends out and white's black and black's white and male's female and female's male. Hello! Don't have boys and girls anymore. We got purple penguins. You talk about the idiots running the world. The only way you're going to know the mind of God is to get God's book and get in that book and find out what God says. And you want to find out what good is. This book tells you what good is and it tells you what bad is. Thou shalt dwell where? In the land. It's talking about the land grant that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's talking to Israel. It's God's land grant. They're in the land. They're in the city. But the world's trying to divide it and take it away from them. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires of thine heart. Commit thy way on the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it what? Fast. Ain't that something? Trust in the Lord what? With all thine heart. He said he'd give you the desires of your heart. Let me ask you a question. I mean, a real question. You ready to be honest? What's your desire? Better be careful. 
He might give it to you. Some guy may be desiring to get a drink today. God just might allow it to come to pass. He may get that bottle. Listen, God tries the heart. He pulls the reins. Isaiah, or Ezekiel 14, he'll give a man according to the idols of his heart. A man don't want to do right. God will let him have that bad. God may allow him to have that bad attached with a lot of problems. Better be careful. God said, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires of thy heart. You know what you need? You need God to give you the right desires. Not just what you want. You're, his right to God. Say, God, I love you and I want to serve you. And God, I don't know what to want. So would you give me the right desires? Would you give me the desires that I need in my heart that I might desire the right things instead of the wrong things? That I might desire the right places and not the wrong place? That I might desire to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing? God, fill my heart with the right, true, godly desires that will help me magnify you and glorify you that my desires and my flesh will not be fulfilled that my flesh and my desires won't take me away from you and take me from your book and take me from this world but that ye God that you would give me the right desires seek those things which are above. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. I want to seek Him. Amen. You know what it says? Seek those things which are above. Can I ask you something? You know what's above? God's above. Amen. And I was created for His pleasure. God, I want you to think on me. And not only do I want you to think on me, Lord, when you think upon me, I want them to be pleasant thoughts, good thoughts, right thoughts. I want you to be pleased with the way I live and what I do. And if there's anything to be displeasing, what I say, the way I act, where I go, how I dress, what I watch, Lord, I want it all changed out of my life that it might be pleasing because I want to please. And when you come back, I want you to be pleased to see me. And you know what? When you come back, I want to be pleased to see you. Because I want to be caught doing the right thing and not the wrong thing. I want to be where you want me to go. I want my feet to frequent places that you'd be pleased with. I want my hands to go and touch the things that you'd be pleased with. God, I want my eyes to look upon things that I want you to be pleased with. And if my eyes are looking at something that's displeasing to you, God, would you please remove anything in my life or any person in my life to make my eyes look on something they shouldn't be doing. And God, I want my ears to hear words that would edify me and glorify thee. And if I things that I'm listening to don't edify and glorify, God, please. Please help me not to listen to those things. Yeah. And if my life is wrapped up in a purpose and a pursuit that you're not happy with, God, would you allow me to have those desires in my heart to pursue the things that you want me to pursue that you would be happy with? Those are the things that I want to be my life to be engulfed in. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Father, we love you. And thank you, Lord, for Jesus and him sitting there resurrected.